Section 38 of The Fairchild Family. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ruby Huck. The Fairchild Family by Mary Martha Sherwood. Grandmama Fairchild after this very pleasant day at the park and long before lucy and emily had left off talking about it a note came from mrs darwell to say that they were all going to the sea for which she was sorry because she wanted to see them all again lucy answered the note and said that she and emily were also very very sorry and this they truly were several weeks then passed and nothing particular happened till a letter came from their grandmamma saying that her granddaughter was very ill and much desired to see her uncle indeed added the old lady i feel i shall be required to give up my ellen also but god does all things well a letter came at breakfast-time and mr fairchild resolved to set out as soon as he possibly could get ready there was a great bustle for the next hour and then mr fairchild took leave of his family and was driven by john to the town he was to go on from thence by the coach the children stood to see them off and then walked back into the house their mother told them to take their needlework and sit down in the parlour and she gave henry a book to read whilst she was busy in another part of the house it was a very hot day the window was open and all was still even the children did not speak for some time at last lucy said i hope poor cousin ellen will not die what will grandmamma do if she dies if she did not live so far off said emily perhaps we might comfort her i never remember seeing her but twice said lucy and you never saw her henry they went on talking about their grandmother till mrs fairchild came in and sat down with them and they still went on with the subject asking her many questions especially wherefore their grandmother had come so seldom to see them and why they had not been asked to see her from one thing to another they went on till they heard a much more regular account of the history of their family than they had ever heard before when i first knew your father's family my dears said mrs fairchild your grandmother was living in reading with two sons the elder brother soon afterwards went to the east indies where he married and had several children your father was intended to have been a clergyman but before he could be ordained he was attacked with an illness which finished with such a weakness in the chest that he knew he could never read this service without danger we had enough to live on and we settled here and here you were all born yes said lucy and we love this dear place we shall never like another so well it would grieve me to leave it we must take things as they come said mrs fairchild going on with her history your uncle was abroad several years and was enabled to make a very good fortune whilst you were a very little baby lucy he returned to england and then purchased that place where your grandmamma now lives a place known by the name of the grove between reading and london on the banks of the thames his wife had died abroad and several children also in infancy he brought with him two little girls of five and six years of age emily and ellen and they were lovely little creatures then 
said mrs fairchild their very paleness making them only look the more lovely when i saw that sweet little emily i resolved that if, if ever i had another girl it should be an emily my nieces lost their father only one year after they came to england and then their grandmother settled herself quite down to give all her attention to them and truly from the extreme delicacy of their health they needed all the care that she could give them from the very earliest period of their lives they were invariably gentle humble and attentive to the comfort of every person who came near to them were not they like miss darwell said henry who dropped his book and was listening with all his attention i think they were henry replied mrs fairchild and their outward circumstances were much alike they were like her the daughters of a rich man and brought up very tenderly it was about four years since she continued that your lovely cousin emily died of a rapid decline a little before her death seeing her sister weeping bitterly she said do not cry gentle sister we shall not be parted long ellen never forgot those words though it was not until some time afterwards that she reminded your grandmamma of them and do you think she will now die mamma and go to her emily said lucy i cannot say replied mrs fairchild but she has certainly been gradually falling off ever since she lost her sister mr fairchild wrote every day his accounts from the first were bad they became worse and worse as to the hopes respecting the poor young lady and her grandmother's anxiety at last a letter came to say that she was dead but had died in great peace the children cried very much but more for their grandmother than for their cousin for they had not a doubt that she was happy then too lucy and emily began to think how they could make up the loss to the old lady if she would but come and live with them and then they began to plan what rooms she could have and were a little puzzled because the house was very small yet lucy said she thought it might be contrived the next letter from mr fairchild said that he had persuaded his mother to leave the grove for a few weeks and that she was set out the next day with her maid whilst he remained to settle everything the old lady was expected to come the day after the next as she would sleep on the road and there was much to be done to get everything ready and to see after morning lucy and emily had many plans for comforting their grandmother and as the old lady was used to be wheeled about in a bath chair john was sent to the park to borrow one which had belonged to sir charles noble's mother the elder mrs fairchild was old and had long been affected by lameness which prevented her from walking with ease and this her daughter-in-law knew there was nothing she would not have done to make her comfortable henry cheerfully gave up his room for the maid and had a little bed put up for him in the playroom he had settled that he was to be his grandmother's horse as soon as he saw the bath chair the children had not known much of their cousins they had been at their grandmother's only once since they could remember for the very bad health of their cousins had prevented their going with their father when he went to see his mother they could not therefore feel for their cousins as if they had known them well but they thought very much of their grandmother's loss mrs fairchild had settled that the old lady was to have the use of their little drawing-room and no one but herself was to go to her in that room 
unless she wished it and she told the children that they must expect her to be very sad indeed till after the funeral and that they must be very quiet and not come in her sight unless she desired it she was not expected until the evening of the third day after they had heard she was coming and then henry went up to the top of the round hill to watch for the carriage and to be the first to give notice of it it was not far from six o'clock when he first saw it coming down the hill towards the village and he was not sure of it for some time he then ran in and went up with lucy and emily to their window to wait till it came after a while they heard the sound of it then they saw john go to the gate and set it open then they drew back a little not to be seen and came forward when the carriage stopped but they did not see the old lady get out mrs fairchild was below to receive her and to lead her into the house but they saw the maid busy in seeing the things taken out of the carriage and they heard her giving her orders this maid was not the same who had for years waited on the old lady but one who had taken the place whilst the old waiting maid stayed behind to take care of the house this new maid called herself miss tilney her mistress called her jane but no one else took that liberty she was dressed as smartly as she could be in deep mourning and she gave orders in such a sharp tone that the children could hear every word she said she called betty young woman and bade her carry up some of the parcels to her lady's room she asked john his name and told the postboy he was not worth his salt well said henry there will be no need for my making a noise to disturb grandmamma that woman would make enough for us all that woman cried emily don't speak so loud she will hear you in a few minutes the boxes were all removed and the carriage driven away and then the children heard the maid's voice talking to betty in the next room which was the only spare room in the house they heard her say well to be sure but our rooms at the grove are so large and one is not used to such bandboxes as these i am sure said henry the room is good enough for her and he was going to say more when his sister stopped him and begged him not to listen i don't listen he answered i hear without listening this was interrupted by mrs fairchild who came to tell them that their grandmother had asked for them mrs fairchild walked first and opened the drawing-room door there they saw their grandmother she was a neat little old lady in black exactly such as they had fancied mrs howard had been she was seated and looked very pale at the sight of them she became paler than before she held out her hands to them and they all three rushed into her arms my children my precious children said the old lady kissing one and another as they pressed forward we will be your own grandchildren said lucy we will comfort you and read to you and do everything for you do not be unhappy dear grandmamma we will all be your own children the old lady was scarcely able to speak but she murmured to herself yes my god is good i am not left without comfort stand back my dears said mrs fairchild and let your grandmamma look at you quietly you overpower her they drew back the old lady wiped away a tear or two which dimmed her sight and then with a gentle smile she looked first at lucy she has the oval face and gentle look so dear to me said the old lady this is lucy will lucy love me the little girl being thus called upon 
fell again on grandmamma's neck and quite sobbed with feeling she soon however recovered herself and pointing to her sister this is emily grandmamma another emily cried the old lady i am rich indeed and fixing her eyes on the younger little girl i could almost think i had my child again daughter she added speaking to mrs fairchild do my eyes deceive me is there not a likeness but your little girls are such exactly as i fondly wish them to be and this is henry our youngest one and she took his hand in hers and said did you expect to see grandmamma looking so very old my little man no ma'am replied henry not quite so old and the little boy made a bow thinking how very civil he ought to be to his own father's mother he does not mean to be rude ma'am said lucy i see it my dear replied the old lady smiling do not i pray you say anything to destroy his honesty the world will soon enough teach him to use deception henry did not understand all this but fearing perhaps to lose his place as grandmamma's horse he took the occasion to ask if he might not be her horse what is it my child said the old lady may i be your horse ma'am he said my horse repeated the old lady looking for an explanation from lucy and when she had got it she made him quite happy by assuring him that no horse could please her better she did not drink tea that evening with the family and went very early to bed but having seen them all that evening she was ready to meet them more calmly in the morning and quite prepared to rejoice in the blessing of having such grandchildren to make up her losses End of section thirty eight